Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danuta and my fabulous co-host Lawson. Lawson, good morning to you for good another new morning. day. I, I am so are glad to be here. I'm pumped. I'm happy. I rode to work this morning on my bicycle. Yay. So feeling good. Great weather for that too at yeah, the moment. For was... you not getting poured down with rain or That's anything right. like that. But I have to ride home. It's it's about 40Ks here and 40Ks back. Yo. And I have to ride home and the sun's going to be well and truly out. So i got some sunscreen and whatnot I can chuck on Way and, to and go. just get, get my pedals in. But I was, on a, I, was on a, I was on a bit of a power trip this morning, actually, as oh. I was riding. Because most, like, I, I'm riding really early and I'm riding on a road that isn't particularly good for cycling it's mm. lo- it's actually pretty and nice and long and out in the country like there's so many good things except most of it is cold mix so it's really rough lots of bumps and, and not much shoulder either so not a lot of cyclists come out here and today like in I, i've probably ridden to work like a heaps of times heaps of times i've ridden here and back and i haven't been with a single cyclist and wow. today for the first time, I came up on someone oh. and I passed them and I took off and I was on like this power trip. Oh, did, hold on, like, hold on, hold on. Did you lo- use the electric part no, of no, your no, bike no, no, to no. take this off? Was actually, <laughs> this was actually on the hot mix section. So I'm just like cruising on Yo. 30, like no motor. So my bike has a, an electric assist in it, yeah. but it cuts out after. Oh, okay. It's like 20, 20, 25K, something like this. Once you get above that speed, there's no electricity or anything. So your like, cruising speed's like 30. Yeah. So I'm just like cruising along, came up on this bike. Good and I was a little bit, you. I was a bit late. So you know, usually I'd like slow down and say, Hey, how you going? Da, 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 da. But I'm like, nah, I gotta get to work. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, see, I'm like, see you, bro. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm, good and I'm for like, you. Man, he probably did like, I don't know, a hundred Ks or something. It was, it was probably like well and truly into some massive ride. And coming up on our show today, we have our interview with Renee Livingston looking at natural remedies, which will be really interesting. In our new segment, we're looking at church and state. And we're also looking at a historical finding in the UK, which is quite fascinating. In our Bible study time that comes after 8 o'clock news is Mission to the Unreached and we're looking at Seeking the Multitudes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, we have our first quiz question for this morning. Please, Lawson. When God first appears to Moses, what does he instruct him to remove? 0491-064-669 is the number to text if you know the answer to that one. Again, when God first appears to Moses, what does he instruct him to remove? If you know the answer, you will go into the draw to win an amazing Revive Cafe cookbook. We'll give that one to you absolutely for free if you win the draw. And how you win the draw is that you get answers in. Every single answer is another chance in the draw. So you don't just want to get one answer in. You want to get as many, many as in. you can. Stack the odds, my friend. Again, 0491-064-669. When God first appears to Moses, what does he instruct him? To remove. That is such a powerful story, isn't yeah. that? Like such a real thing, um, like as in real story, because all of them are real in the <laughs> yeah, Bible. Yeah. But what I mean is the, the the whole thing behind it is so powerful, isn't mm. that? Which we're going to unpack when we actually give the answers at the end. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think it's been a theme that I've just really focused on in my Bible reading. I actually talked about it yesterday in our 
in our study of the Bible, just talking about like the redemptive elements of these oh, stories. And yes. for, for Moses, absolutely a redemptive moment of, hey, feeling distant from God, feeling, you know, like a failure and then being redeemed and called to be a leader. It's powerful. Oh, it fa- is powerful. Fabulous. And, and just shows us what God can do in our mm. lives. Hey, just transform us amazingly and, and make us great leaders, you know, mm. in, in every way. Hey, so we've got, you know, answers already coming in. In, flying in, in fact, and also David sends a big hello this morning to Shalen and Lawson and myself. So thanks mm. for that. Also, David, really nice message there as well. We want to say hello, especially yes. to What's our up? folk in Kurrajong Heights. Do you know where Kurrajong Heights Karajong is? Kurrajong Heights, no idea. No idea. Where okay. is that? I do. Where is it? I do. It's, it's, it's just on the outskirts of Sydney. Oh, okay. Mm. Shell's, Shell's nodding her head. She's she saying, knows. I okay, do yeah. too. It's, so it's two a against, name that I feel like I've heard this morning. before, but I'm like, if I, I yeah, I would have thought it was out like Western New South Wales. Yeah. Yeah. Like so that. it's Northwest, um, Northwestern part of, uh, out, out of Sydney. So mm. if you look at, if you, do you know where Penrith is? Blue sure. Mountain. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of in that area, but it's the blue lines of road. You actually take it from not the freeway way, but the back way slightly to Towards the mm. Blue Mountains as you're coming out of Sydney. Really nice area. So Kurrajong Heights is a small town, of course, about 79 kilometres actually out of Sydney. Mm. And it actually stretches along the Bells line of road. So on 88.0 FM, our listeners are listening there today. The population on the 2016 census was around 1,300 people. Oh, so yeah, rural. Which, yeah, it is. So it's, yeah, you kind of get the suburban area down in... Uh, down in, in Penrith and Richmond area down there, and then you start going up into the hills. So it is a bit more rural. They've, they've, you, you drive along. It's a beautiful drive. And they've got, mm. like, apple trees along there and an apple store and all sorts of fruits, fruit trees along there. It also has – I thought this was interesting. It has five communication towers that house a two-way radio equipment for internal energy and the Hawkesbury Council. Mm. So, yeah, and the Hawkesbury Radio transmits from there. So, which is why we can have our station there too Absolutely. on 88.0 FM. So, huge hello there to the, our Kurrajong Heights listeners there this morning. And to all of our listeners Australia-wide, mm. you're probably – you know, going out shopping already for Christmas and everything. We'll talk a bit more about that later today, I guess. Mm. But it is that time where everyone's going out shopping and being busy. But we're excited that our listeners can still turn it on and listen to our show anywhere when they're driving, especially if you download the Faith FM app and also uh, go on to our podcast. Mm. We love good news here, don't we, Lawson? Absolutely. We are all about positively different news. Absolutely. And with the music that then happens, it makes us happy as well through the time here. In between, if only you saw some of what happens here in the Mm -hmm. studio, we have some smiles. We sing along in all sorts of voices. But here we're actually going today to the UK. Now, you know, the UK has got a soft spot for me, hey. Yeah. Having lived there for two years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are going to the UK. What are are we doing in the UK? Are we We, gallivanting? Are we we seeing the sights? Are we ordering plant-based fish and chips? (laughs) Like, what are we doing? (laughs) No plant-based fish and chips. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are going to do some finding. Okay. Okay. And we're going to a historical finding. Mm -hmm. Uh, buried in 15th, uh, they've just located a buried 15th century royal palace. 
Mm-hmm. And that's actually a group of amateurs, not archaeologists. So archaeologists, of course, are those who study the human history and sites um, by excavation and actually analyze artifacts and things like that. And we love historical stories here, don't we? Archaeological mm. stories here, especially the ones that actually really link really clearly with the Bible. We really love those ones. And we've had quite a number of those. So today we're actually going to the UK and we're going to the Shire of Northampton in the UK, mm-hmm. which is kind of more, if I remember correctly, it's around about more the central kind of part of the UK. So a group of amateurs rather than archaeologists actually located burial remains of Collie Western Palace. Now, the palace was actually owned, catch this, by the grandmother of Henry VIII. Mm-hmm. Right, so going right back, the grandmother okay. of Henry the eight. So what era is this in? So this is looking at around 1650 okay. or so. So going right, right back, mm. okay, four, five hundred years ago. And her name, I don't know if you knew her name, but her name is Mar- was Margaret Beaufort. I love Ma- that. Yeah, isn't that- I, I love historical names that are... English. Like. Yeah. And of course, the English names are often Margaret yeah. or Elizabeth, aren't that's they? Right. Like that's for the right. females. So a local, local historical society has actually been trying to locate this place for five years and they use ground penetrating radar to actually locate it. And they had the help of amateurs from Collie Western Historical and Preservation Society, which um, the acronym is called CHAPS, okay? Mm. Collie Western Historical and Preservation Society. So this is basically people who are really wanting to know a lot about history and are really enthusiastic, aren't archaeologists as, as such, but actually want to get involved in some of this kind of stuff. Mm. And so they've used ground-penetrating uh, radar and they've started uncovering the ground and so the Collie Western site was actually listed as a hor- – so this is some background. The Collie Western site itself, so the land mm. was actually listed as a historical site in 1967. But catch this, the only evidence of people living there was actually that they had ponds and that there was a barn there. Mm. But yet they knew that there would have been something significant there, right? Mm-hmm. So they listed it as a historical site. But the radars actually now show that there's walls and foundations buried under the ground, which they've started uncovering. They're currently moving to the second stage of the excavation. We're actually going to determine what the building was used for mm-hmm. and also to actually look at, uh, let me just find this here, um, and to work out the archaeological style along and the exact dating. But what we do know is that around the 1650 was around the time that, that they lived there, So, mm. or, or just a bit before, I should say. Um, the last royal that actually stayed there was at Collie Western was Elizabeth I, who held court there in August the th- um, August three fifteen sixty six. Mm. So it's going way back. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Elizabeth. Have you seen it, Shell? Really good movie, like that came out years ago. Uh, Kate Blanchett plays mm. Elizabeth the Queen in that one. Really well done. Mm. Really well worth seeing. And I, I, my mind went to. I wondered if you know that's where you know the court was actually held at the time. But here we go. The same, uh, some, some history that's also known about it is that Collie Western Manor actually fell into despair in 1650 and it was bought by Dutch Tryon family, a Dutch Tryon family, which is, uh, what was built. Um, they also then built another house on the land. So I don't know quite how and what the fact that it's now since been covered over. But either way, um, it's going like way, way back and they're only just starting to find out some stuff there, which is amazing. Mm. What made me think of, you know, lost and found? 
that's where I went with my head. Okay, lost and found. I just thought of the the gold coin. Yeah. You know, the parable of the gold coin in the Bible of how, you know, the widow sweeps the floor just to find this one coin, as in, mm. you know, you know, Jesus says, you know, would you sweep? You would find that. And I remember doing that when we were out of Brewarina with the children. We actually did that as a parable. We actually had a container that we put a whole pile of straw in there and we put one coin in there. Had to, they had to find it. And um, it was really quite an experience, but they learnt so much from that. But here's the thing. The parable actually means that God's love is so great. So great. He loves everyone immensely. He wants no one to be lost. Mm. He wants no one to be lost. And he wants every single person, of course, to be saved. So I just loved that story. And I just think, you know, the, the whole lost and found concept goes through, you know, particularly in the New Testament in some, in, in various parables. Um, you know, even with the prodigal son, you know, the father says, you know, my son was lost, but now he's found. But just, um, so many beautiful concepts there about our loving God who really wants all of us to be saved. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we're excited, of course, that we can give away a revived cookbook today, number eight, uh, not today, sorry, all of the quiz questions every We've got day. quiz questions and today. And the draw is at quarter to it's nine on Friday, on Friday morning. morning. And That's every, right. anyone and everyone who has actually won the Revive Cookbook number eight has absolutely been excited about it. They've like been excited with their text messages back to us as well as when they've received it that they've then texted us again. Mm. So take it away with our next quiz question, please. Yeah, I know, Danetta, you were just excited to get out today <laughs> because we love giving you guys prizes. We do, we do. And so, guys, but this is the thing. It's like, you know, the Bible says that God is patient and long-suffering because he doesn't want anyone to be lost. We're patient and long-suffering because we don't want to make anyone lose out on the opportunity to be oh, able absolutely. to get in for the quiz. So answer these questions, guys. What was the name of Rebecca's brother? Uh-huh. Very simple there. What was the name of Rebecca's brother? 0491-064-669. Rebecca, obviously the Bible character, the famous biblical character. You guys know the one. 0491-064-669. Can we give a clue? The number to take. You can give a clue. Okay. It starts with the letter somewhere in the middle of the alphabet. Oh, you did this yesterday. <laughs> you did this yesterday. <laughs> nah. I try to look at different ones every time. Okay, right? okay, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> wacky ones. And the last letter of of this person's name is also at in that similar not, section not far from the first letter. the alphabet. So, <laughs> hey, if you know the answer, 0491-064-669. They also lived a long time ago. So, yeah. Look, look and it's not <laughs> Rebecca, it. your cousin. It's Rebecca, the biblical figure. That's 0491-064-669. I got a question to ask this morning. Yo. I got a question to ask this morning, and I got it to ask to the listeners, but maybe we can start with you, Danuna. Do you think... Hmm. That church leaders, like or leaders of churches, you know, president of the conferences or, or archbishops or popes or whatever, do you think that people in leadership of church groups should lobby in the political forum? Well, that's an interesting one because, like, I, I personally think no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But what was interesting is on the weekend at Avondale University, mm. the Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea was there, and yeah. he's a Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah. 
So, so I think there's a space, and I know in Queensland, if I can just add there, like, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lady in parliament there a few years ago, a, a Seventh-day Adventist Christian as well, and I know there's other Christians that are there as well, but, you know, this the whole space of politics, there's always, like, you know, fighting for what they believe and, like, anyway, not so much fighting what they believe, but there's always this, like, tug-of-war going yeah, on. That's that right. I'm just kind of like, uh... And then there's business <laughs> and there's money and Absolutely. there's corruption and crime and it, it's, it's so quite, many things the political space is quite difficult so what you're talking about there i don't have a problem with christians being involved in politics because mm-hmm. that's their right as citizens it is our right as citizens of a country to have a say in politics but i'm talking about leaders of a particular faith you know, group yep. like not necessarily just a christian who is a politician but leaders in a particular faith group then lobbying politics from the perspective that they are a leader. Now, yeah. also simultaneously, so us here, we are Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, we have in the Australian Union Conference a guy, his name is Michael Worker, and he is doing work in the political space. Religious liberty and freedom. In regard mm-hmm. to religious liberty. And I would say that I don't have a problem with that because that is an appropriate way that churches should have interaction with political figures. But, so I agree with that too. Yeah. But what I see in the UK, we're going to talk about the UK this morning. Oh, we're we going to the, about UK the UK again. What I see in the UK is that the leaders of mainline Protestant denominations over there, both mainline Protestant denominations and Catholicism as well, are like when I look at what they actually do in their role, all I see is lobbying politics. All I see, which is, again, for me, I'm like, okay, what are church leaders supposed to do? I think the best example of, you know, an archetypal church leaders, when I go back to the early church in the book of Acts, you see the apostles there, you see the likes of Peter, the likes of Paul, these guys, well, Paul was more of a missionary, but for Peter and James, like their whole job is to equip the saints. So they teach the saints then what to go out and teach and then go and do evangelism themselves. Absolutely. So they, and they, they, they modeled boldness. That's right. Mm. We also see that they do model, you know, in, in a sense, like compassion and humanitarian mm. aid and, and whatnot. And I don't think that's a problem. But when I look at these church leaders and every second article I read about them is church leaders call on government to reduce homelessness of new refugees. Okay. Is homelessness in the refugee space a bad thing? Yes. What should churches do about it? Should they be in Parliament 24-7 saying, Government, you need to do a better job? Or, or, or could they be responding to the issue as convicted Christians Mm -hmm. who want to help people And share the gospel with mm-hmm. them. And, and, Model and, it and, and do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And and a lot of lobbying taking place. We have the the obviously the conflicts in Ukraine and Russia, the conflicts in Palestine and Israel. Um, again, you know, I, I read a recent one. There's a bishop in the UK of the Church of England. They're lobbying in uh, Parliament for humanitarian visas, and and it's like all of these things. I think are good, but let's let's. In terms of lobbying in Parliament, you know, contact your local politician and say, "Hey, you you lobby because that's your, that's their job. That's mm-hmm. their job." But for church leaders, let's focus on sharing the gospel. Particularly Justin Welby, he's the Archbishop of the Church of England. I read through his Twitter. Mm-hmm. I like I don't see a single Bible verse, a single encouragement for people to share their faith, a single encouragement for people to reflect Jesus. It's 
you know, calling for ceasefire in in Israel. Okay, should there should there be a ceasefire in Israel? Okay, yeah, I we agree here. Like we agree that conflict is wrong. Uh, you know, oh, like this one here. As we've said repeatedly, the Church of England's position on deporting asylum seekers without any kind of assessment of care or care is not because like like it's like okay, yes, is it bad that they're de- deporting? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. But also. You are the Archbishop of the Church of England, or you're a leader of this faith group, or this faith group, or this faith group. Like, let's focus on also sharing the gospel. I feel quite passionate about this because I look at these situations, and particularly in a country like England, there's rapidly secularizing, and mm-hmm. church attendance is just declining falling rapidly, the, falling mm. through the floor. Yeah, and. It, I don't know why these church leaders are not seeing that, oh, okay, I've tried just political lobbying 24-7 and it almost in a way virtue signaling that we care about world issues. I'm like, yes, we all care about world issues. We're Christians and we, we would love to see amazing things happen in this space and we would love to see... Uh, you know, the support of asylum seekers and whatnot. But also, what is causing churches to grow is the sharing of the gospel. Well, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. And I love what you're saying because there is a place to speak up, isn't it? Like mm. you're not saying, well, let's not speak up about no. it. You're saying, yes, let's speak up, but hey, let's actually do our part because yes. we have a part yes. to play. But it's actually through through our actions, through being Christ to people, because of Christ, what Christ did for us and our desire to love people and be there for them and show compassion. We're going to unpack compassion a bit today in the Bible study. But that's so important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And particularly particularly when we read the Bible and we read the statements of Jesus, my kingdom is not of this earth. Not of this earth. You know, and, and, again, and he preached the kingdom of heaven all right. the time. Like, yeah. And does this mean that we don't show, show compassion towards asylum seekers? No, Church of England, if you want to win over my... Like, I'm not, I'm not going to become Anglican, but if you want to, I guess, win over my uh, support in a sense, man, if you started a ministry supporting refugees mm-hmm. and sharing the gospel with them, I would be totally on board. I'd be like, Church of England, you're amazing. And I wish that the Church of England, the Adventist Church, the Catholic, I wish we would all do it and we'd all contribute to. Uh, but but furthermore, like, let's share the gospel in that space. And, and again, what I'm seeing is to just use your position as a church leader to sit there and say, the government should be doing a better job at supporting people. Hey, when we read the Bible, Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has not much positive to say about how the governments of this world will treat and interact with people who are truly following Christ mm. and furthermore attempting to lead people to Jesus. Mm. And I love what you're saying with that because it is. It's about the combination of the two. And this is last week a friend shared how, you know, his wife is actually looking after refugees that you mentioned and how looking after them and now how they're interested in, in Jesus so much yeah, more. Absolutely. Hey, let us know what you think. I've ranted a little bit this morning. Do you think church leaders should be lobbying in government? Let us know. 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And it's come time for our third quiz question for today before we go to our interview, please. Yeah, whose name means soil or mankind? 
you know the answer to that one, 0491 And you know, it's like, wait, soil or or soil or man? Like that's pretty that's pretty hectic. It's because men are dirt. Nah, just kidding, that's a joke. <laughs> hey, whose name means soil or We were made from dirt. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, but just, that's we're all, we're we're not all dirt. dirt. We're all dirt bags, guys. We're all living our best. We're all pearls lives. in God's eyes. That's right. <laughs> whose name means soil or mankind? If you know the answer to that one, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. If you answer correctly, you go into the draw to win our amazing revived cafe cookbook. We're giving away number eight this morning on the breakfast show. Absolutely for free at the end of this week when we spin the wheel but you can get chances to get in the draw all throughout this week so again whose name means soil or mankind zero four nine one zero six four six six nine uh oh clue clue this morning clue clue go on it's the, the name's in the bible so it's, <laughs> it's not it's not lawson all right let, let's give a bigger clue it's in the first book of the bible oh, come on that's too there's much lots of, no no that's no, no there's lots much. of names in the first book we could even narrow it down even more but we'll narrow it down we'll get the answer it's in the first book of the bible and it's not Babel. There you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not a man's name, though. Zero six four six six nine. Okay. And, of course, the Revive Cookbook is all with natural things, and we love natural things, all, all things natural, I should say. Mm. And that's why we've actually also got Renee Livingston on with us this morning on Natural Remedies. Good morning, Renee. Are you there? Mm. Yes, good morning. Hey, Danuta and Lawson. Yay! So good to have you on the show, Renee. We're excited um, on to talk to you about natural remedies. Um, yes, thank you for having me. That's a pleasure. Tell us firstly to our listeners, a little. tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've actually been doing natural remedies. Yeah, sure. That's always a scary question because you realise how old you are. <laughs> um, it's all right. You don't have to give yes. us your age. <laughs> Even as a kid, my mum was actually big on natural remedies and things like that. She's from Finland, and so she uh, was working with hydrotherapy with some Russian saunas and things like that wow. from a young age. So as kids, we used to do hydrotherapy in my uncle's sauna in Brisbane, and mum used to often be doing different juice fasts and things. So I was exposed to it from a young age. Mm. I never really thought I would go into it as a profession, but, yeah, during my late teens kind of decided oh yeah natural just felt god was calling me in that area and could see how you can use uh a lot of this health knowledge and natural remedies for Mm. for his glory and for mission as well so yeah just felt really called to it and worked in health retreat spaces in clinic spaces um just even consultations for family and friends and things like that it's really a daily you use the knowledge that you that you gain daily for everything that you do. So it's it's an awesome thing. Absolutely. And how much do you think that your background, your upbringing with, with, with having that and, and seeing the benefits of it has influenced you in that space as well? I, it definitely influenced me. At the time, I didn't realise it, but in hindsight now, I'm like, yes, not everyone gets that kind of exposure from a young age. Yeah. Um, and I could see the benefits of it. Um, so, yeah, it's a... It definitely influenced me for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about natural remedies and why are natural remedies important for us? Yeah, sure. So natural remedies, you're really utilising whether it be natural plant materials or 
edible items. So anything that's kind of God made, I guess, you're utilizing those things to help influence your health in a positive way. Um, but natural remedies even move into the scope of things like utilizing water um, in hydrotherapy type practices and also looking at your lifestyle. So things mm-hmm. like sleep, stress, um, just your daily habits and routines, all of those things are going to play into your overall health. So natural remedies is quite a broad thing, but often people do speak more specifically of herbs, supplements, those kinds of things when they're talking natural remedies, but it is really quite broad. Right. Mm. Tell us a little bit about hydrotherapy because that's something that people think you need to go you know, to specific places. And so tell yes. us a little bit about hydrotherapy and is that something that on a smaller scale we can also do a little bit at home? Oh, definitely, yeah. You can definitely harness hydrotherapy at home. Hydro is basically water. So hydrotherapy, utilising water to help give a therapeutic outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we can use water in various forms. So it can be in the form of steam, for example, like a gas. Um, So you can have a Russian steam bath or even just doing an inhalation. If anyone's had a sinus infection or a cold where you boil a pot of water and pop some essential oils in or some herbs and I've done a towel it with head and breathe the yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's right. So that's a form of hydrotherapy. Um, but, yeah, you know, these days people are getting big on the cryotherapy and things like that, like doing the ice-cold bath after marathons and things like that. Um, but, yeah, saunas as well, utilising uh, heat, so whether it be in the form of steam or just a hot bath. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, a variety of um, techniques that you can use. Mm. And of course, if you've got a bath at home, you can be doing a hot bath and finishing with a cold pour, or you can do cold at the end of your shower to help stimulate your immune system. Um, or yeah, you can just do the inhalation if you've got a sinus infection. So mm. you can definitely utilize a lot of hydrotherapy at home. And we also utilize hydrotherapy um, in the form of packs and sheets as well. So you can do things like a heating compress, which sounds like it's going to be hot to go on, but that is completely incorrect because it actually goes on cold and you heat it up. Wow. So things like uh, if somebody's got a sore throat, for example, so you've got some tonsillitis coming on, uh, you can do a heating compress on your throat by getting a piece of cloth, um, just some kind of cotton cloth is good, wet it in cold water, wring that out as much as you can so that it's not dripping, and you pop that around your throat and then you wrap it round with like a warm woolen sock or a woolen scarf or something and just pin that on and mm. sleep like that overnight. So it'll feel cold to go on, but overnight your body will realise, hey, there's an area here that's quite cold. Let's send our resources there to warm that area up. And in sending its resources there, you're going to get white blood cells there that are going to help clean up the infection. You're going to get increased blood flow, which brings oxygen and nutrients. So Yeah, I frequently use the throat heating compress for my family and myself. And, yeah, if my kids get a sore throat, they come to me and they're like, Mom, can I have the sock tonight? And anyone else (laughs) listening on is like, what on earth does this family get up to? But they know it works when you've got your kids asking you for a 
treatment like that, you know, that they're getting results and yeah, mm. it's a really I good one. Absolutely love what you're saying with that because I've, I've used it since my childhood years too, um, but not for the whole night. So that's a new one for me that I'll need to try, but I've done it for like a, a you know, a, a, an hour or so and then just put just something else, you know, that's dry around because you know, my, my background's Polish and so mum was also yes. into natural remedies and, and so I just love what you're sharing with that. Um, yeah, just for sore throat, instead of using things like betadine or other things that are there, we can actually use something that's natural that the body yep. then responds to it, doesn't it? And you just so many ways in using water that you've actually mentioned there. And so, you know, why, why overall though are natural remedies important? Yeah, look, I think we have become very reliant on pharmaceuticals and synthetic drugs as a community. Um, and it really uh, kind of puts our body and the way we're designed in the back seat. So it's kind of like, oh, no, the body can't deal with this. Let's reach for a drug to cope with it. Mm -hmm. But God has really designed us in an amazing way and he's given us our immune system and various other systems in our body that are alert and prepared to deal with things and we've just got to give them that time and opportunity and your body can really become quite lazy if you're always providing something for your body like oh got an infection let's take some antibiotics you you don't actually give your body the opportunity to ramp up its immune response to to be able to identify that pathogen in the future as well so if you you're exposed to it again your body can respond appropriately um even Fevers, for example, we often get a bit concerned, oh, no, I've got a fever. But a fever is a natural response to an infection or a pathogen or some kind of invader. So to allow our body to actually generate that fever because that's what it's designed for, to actually destroy whatever pathogen it is that we're, we've come in contact with and allow our body to heal naturally. So, um yeah, allowing our body to do what it's designed to do is critically important because you'll get a much better response down the track than if we're constantly reliant on pharmaceuticals. There's definitely a place for pharmaceuticals and there's times that, you know, our body's done all that it can and it's a little bit um, lagging still and we need a little bit of an extra mm. boost. But it should, like in my mind, I feel like let the body do naturally what it should do Let's see how far we can get with that and even utilise some herbs or teas or supplements or whatever to help encourage that, encourage the natural process. And then pharmaceuticals are there as our backstop for when, you know, we don't get the outcome that we're after. But, you know, with my use of natural remedies over the years, probably eight times out of ten, you can really get the response that you're after. And if your body's quite healthy initially, even nine times out of ten, mm. there's very few occasions that um, myself or my family will actually reach for pharmaceuticals because we've been educated around how we can utilise natural remedies to get good outcomes, uh, which is something that everyone can do, really. There's lots of information out there and some great, um, yeah, great tools that you can use and that's a high rate. We're saying eight or nine out of ten times. That's that's a really yeah. high rate, rather than just going reaching for, you know, the Panadol or other things, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that takes practice. I think mm. <laughs> initially when I started out, and um, you know, there's a little bit of trial and error to begin with. But the more you get to know yourself, and that's actually another really great thing of allowing your body's natural processes to um, to take place because you actually get to know your body a bit more, know how you respond 
know, get to understand what body system might be a bit weaker for you because we're all individuals and we all get um, targeted in different areas. So sometimes when people get sick, they'll be prone to gastrointestinal stuff or somebody will be prone to ear infections. So just kind of getting in tune with your body, understanding how it's impacted by illness mm. uh, and then you can actually figure out right which which remedies are going to be best for you mm. uh, so yeah it's it's a good learning yeah I'd love to ask because I feel like right now we're talking very much in the the reactive space but in the preventative space I, I'd mm-hmm. imagine that like natural, you know, going natural is definitely the best way to go rather than like, I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to think of many pharmaceuticals that are usually taken as a, as a pre- preventative measure. But I feel as though being natural in that preventative space is usually where the battle's won, right? Yeah, well, I think it's really prevention is basically about optimizing your body systems and allowing mm. your body to function in its like live its best life kind of thing. Mm, mm-hmm. So if we can be giving our body good nutrition every day, if we can be getting adequate sleep, it, well, I say every day, but most days. We live lives, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> we hear you. We hear you. <laughs> but yeah, if you can eat well, sleep well, and it's often those lifestyle principles that come in here, if we can exercise regularly, Mm. Um, then we're going to be optimizing our body systems as, you know, as best we can. And therefore our immune system will be ready to, to deal with invaders mm. and pathogens when they come and it'll have the energy and capacity to do so. If we're burning the candle at both ends, running from one Christmas event to another, not sleeping at night, uh. um, you know, just eating a whole bunch of convenient fast foods because we're just too flat out, that's going to wear your body down Mm. at some point. And then you'll be utilizing things more reactively than proactively. So natural therapies and natural remedies is really that broad, looking at the whole picture, the whole person, Mm. the whole lifestyle and trying to get the, the most out of that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, what I'm hearing here, and if I can put it in a metaphor, you know, let's, let's put the gloves on our body before the, before the, uh, before the, the infections come, you know, let's get our bodies ready and let's be in the right place to be able to fight those. Oh, Renee, fantastic stuff. Is there anything you want to leave us uh, with in the last minute here? Yeah, look, I just think coming into this Christmas season with lots of different temptations or things that we're just getting too flat out with, just get Mm. back to basics eat well, sleep well, enjoy your friends and family and really, um, yeah, relax and enjoy and allow your body to to live as best that it can. Mm, absolutely. Renee, thank you so much. We are going to continue on with the show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.